You're listening to Packers Talk Network. Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay. Just go to their website, theticketking.com. Again, that's theticketking.com. leaving we're not leaving we're not fucking leaving the show goes on and with that i'd like to welcome you to this week's episode of lemp's talking pack i am your host chris lempsis coming to you once again from my basement packer room in my home in milwaukee wisconsin here to break down green bay's Heart-stopping, show-stopping, thrilling, exhausting, gorgeous, beautiful, terrible, butthole-clenching 28-23 win over the Seattle Sea Pigeons in the NFC Divisional Round Playoff game Sunday night at Lambeau Field, chilly Lambeau Field. With the win, the Packers now advance to face the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC. See championship game. Let me say that one more time with feeling. The NFC championship game next Sunday night at once again 5.40 p.m. Lambeau time at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, California. For the right to play in Super Bowl 54 in Miami, the Green Bay Packers with a rookie head coach. They're 60 minutes away from the Super Bowl. How is this possible? How is this happening? This is crazy. I love it, but it's it's crazy. I said 10 and 6 on family night. And I thought, maybe I'm being too generous. I undersold them. By a shitload, I undersold them. Crazy. Packers obviously get a shot at revenge, too, after the 38-7 ass-kicking. 37-8 ass-kicking. They suffered at that same stadium back in late November. Another chance at revenge. Sunday night, revenge against the Sea Pigeons. Another shot at revenge next week. There is already a line for the game, if you're wondering. And yes, San Francisco is a heavy favorite. Niners minus seven. One more betting note. Packers actually closed today as four and a half point favorites. So if you had Green Bay winning and covering the spread, you get your money. But holy shit, barely. I'm guessing there were a lot of nervous gamblers. Jair Alexander's sack uh, of Russell Wilson on the two-point conversion, which I'm going to talk about later. That that made a lot of people a lot of money. I'll say that. It's just, you know, I just want to take a minute. I just, you know, if you're listening to the show, don't do it right now. Wait till it's over. But, you know, take a minute and just sort of, if you haven't yet, just think about how far this team has come. Where the Packers were at the end of last season. It's just total disarray. And what? Just about 12 months to the day after they hired LaFleur. They're playing for... They got a shot to go to the Super Bowl. A shot to go to the Super Bowl. It gets crazy. And I and I just... I will say this. If you believe in these sorts of things, Super Bowl one. Was Green Bay versus Kansas City? 
what better way to round up, round up, to close the NFL's 100th season than a rematch of Super Bowl one? Perfect, right? That's what I say. All right, so before before we get into the fun, I hope you would consider the last four minutes fun already. But before we really dive into the shit here, I got to do the shameless self promotion. Social media: Twitter, Lamps MKE at It's Just Chris Now. Facebook, Old Bag of Donuts, OL Bag of Donuts. The email, which I don't even know why I'm saying it because nobody sent me an email in weeks. But what the hell? Old Bag of Donuts at gmail.com. And if you're listening to us, to me, on the wonderful Packers Talk iTunes page, home of great shows like Cheesehead Radio, the flagship show, and then you got Pulse of the Pack, you got Packers Therapy, still doing their thing, leave a rating. Five stars, those are our favorite. Four stars, those are okay. Anything else, don't leave a rating. Same thing for comments. You know what? If you, if you have something positive to say, say it. But we're all far too fragile, me in particular, to handle any negative shit. Don't, don't, don't leave a negative comment. Okay? Only positive comments. Boy, I'm really getting into this. I can't believe I, I quoted DiCaprio from Wolf of Wall Street to start the show. You know, but I felt like there was kind of a reason for that. If you've seen that movie, which I'm guessing a lot of you have, I mean, obviously, like, his character, you know, everybody kind of wants his character to leave his role. And uh, he's about to, and then he, he says, no, he's going to stay. And I just felt like a weird connection to the Packers where, like, nobody really wants this team in the playoffs, it feels like. All the disrespect and bullshit that's been talked about this team. I can't believe they're the two seed. I can't believe they went 13-3. and three. You know, they're going to lose to the Saints in round two. How'd that work out, Saints fans? The national analysts. But I felt like this weird, like, nobody wanted his character there. Nobody really wants us in the playoffs. I'm saying us. I don't care. I'm that guy. And yet, here we are. We're not leaving. Now, hopefully things work out better for the Packers than they did for DiCaprio in that movie. But for now, it fits. I had to do it. That's actually, you know what? That's the first time I've said fuck. On the show, I've never used. I've I, I don't drop f bombs, but you know what? It was such a big. It's such a big moment tonight. I had to. So now I'm two. In, I'm either two in the hole or plus two on f bombs, depending on how you view it. <laughs> okay. So now that I got that, let's let's really get into this game, huh? It, it, uh, it's cliche, but it really was kind of a tale of two halves, right? The first half was just sheer dominance by the Packers. Up 21 to 3 at the break. They're killing Seattle in almost every major statistical category. Look at some of these numbers from the first half 15 to 6 first downs in favor of the pack. Total yards 201 to 135, again in favor of the pack. And time of, posi- time of possession was just ridiculous. It was ridiculous. 1805 to 1155 in favor of Green Bay. That is, that is absurd, you know? And yet. And yet, did you feel comfortable? Be honest, you didn't. I can't imagine anybody did. I didn't. Literally, all I would say to my wife after the first half was, was good first half. Keep it going, good first half. Like, you just knew it was almost like a little too easy. That, and I, it's some combination of that and obviously flashbacks to five years ago to the NFC Championship game in Seattle that we're not going to talk about. Um, and I think just kind of knowing who was on the other sideline, right? Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, it just, it felt like they were going to come alive. Now, I didn't think they'd come alive to the degree that they did. 
but I felt like they were gonna. I mean, he was gonna do. Russell Wilson was gonna was gonna make that magic happen. Magic, pull the horseshoe out of his ass. However you want to define, whatever term you want to use. And that's, I mean, that's exactly what happened. You know, he was making plays, spinning out of sacks, scrambling for big gains, and just being that force that we know him to be. I mean, Seattle. You know, I talked about this on the preview that Seattle, they basically were, they basically got to this point because of him. The Legion of Boom is no more. Marshawn Lynch, as we saw today, is not the Marshawn that we remember. You know, they he basically kind of like the Packers were for a while there in the middle part of the last decade, kind of just dragged, he kind of just dragged his team to this point like Rodgers used to do. You know, and if you listen to the preview, again, thanks to everybody who listened to that. Hope you enjoyed it. Um... I said Green Bay would win 24 to 17. Despite the fact that before I gave the preview, I gave kind of a mountain of evidence that suggested the Packers were better, you know? I said the Packers do this well, Seattle doesn't. They're good here, Seattle's not good here. Like a lot of evidence that would suggest a fairly comfortable Green Bay win. And yet I only picked the Packers to win by 7 because of Wilson. Because he just does I sound like Bill Simmons now. He just does Russell Wilson things, you know, and that's what happened. You know, he, he, I mean, he damn near, he damn near stole this game at the end. Now he didn't, and that's awesome because I hate him and I hate Pete Carroll, but yeah, you got, you have to tip your cap to Wilson. That was a hell of an effort. More on him in a little bit, sadly. All right. So I thought I would kind of talk about offense. Let's talk about the offense. I kind of go into my position groups. I want to talk about, I want to start by talking about Aaron Rodgers. There's a few guys, there's a couple guys you could start here with, start with here, but I'm starting with 12. Really a great game from him. Not a huge statistical day, right? Like if you're just, if you're just kind of combing box scores, 16 of 27, 243 yards, two touchdowns, you would go, well, that's not that great. I mean, that's not even, that's not even two thirds of his passes completed. This is why looking at box scores is just is dangerous. You shouldn't do it. Because I thought he played the exact game he needed to for Green Bay to win. Controlled. Control was kind of the big word for me when looking at Rodgers' performance here. He didn't chase the long ball. Thank God. You know, and again, if you listen to the preview, you know I said that was one of the three keys to victory for the Packers. Rodgers needed to... Stay within the offense. Shorter stuff, intermediate stuff. Keep the chains moving. Don't chase the long ball because that's not going to be an element of the offense this year. And you know what? That's exactly what he did. Really thought he controlled the game. Not not even game manager. Fuck game manager. Oh, shit, that's my third F-bomb. But you know what I mean? He wasn't a game manager. He controlled the game. And you know what? When the Packers needed him most on that final drive... I mean, he reminded it. Twelve reminded everyone why he still got it. Anybody that that came into today looking to bury Aaron Rodgers, you you walked away bummed. The rumors of his demise are greatly exaggerated. Let's put it that way. I mean, let's talk about in particular his two throws to Devontae Adams and Jimmy Graham on that final drive. I mean, even now, what about two hours later after the game, two two and a half? I'm still. I'm still just in awe of those throws, right? Let's talk about the throw to Adams. Third and nine. 
Packers deep in their own territory, fairly deep. Third and excuse me, third and eight. Two nineteen to go. Rodgers with a perfect throw to Devontae over the shoulder. First down, gets Green Bay into Seattle territory on the gain of 32. I mean, that was one of Rodgers' ballsiest throws. One of his best, certainly. I mean, I've talked before on the show about you could start a museum and hang each one of his his throws. He's got so many as a work of a different work of art. I'll say that was one of his ballsiest throws. You know, in that situation, the guy had good coverage. Even though Adams, great release off the line. I can't wait to shower Devontae Adams the praise here in a little bit. The guy still had pretty good coverage on the play. I, his name escapes me for Seattle. But Rodgers, just trusting Devontae and trusting himself. Ballsy. Ballsy throw, man. For the first down. Huge. Huge. And then... Right, Packers, couple runs to Aaron Jones. Seattle uses what? It's first two timeouts. Coming out of the two-minute warning now, it's third nine at the Seahawks, 45. Sea Pigeon, 45, sorry. Rodgers with pressure all in his face. Flips a strike to Jimmy Graham, who scoops up the pass. Not scoops up. Scoops the pass. It was low, but scoops it. And rumbles, bumbles, stumbles. He was trying to milk every bit of life he had left in those old legs. Gets the first down. Now, they reviewed the play, and that was game over, right? Now, they reviewed the play, and I want to talk about that quick, too, because that, a lot of people are complaining. First of all, everybody complains, the Packers get all the calls. Shut up. No, they don't. We'll talk about more. We'll talk more on that in a little bit later, why they don't, why that's bullshit. That's a bullshit theory, mostly from Vikings fans. But people go, well, that wasn't a first down. But if you look, people were posting the photo on Twitter. The yellow line, as always, is unofficial. The actual first down line was a red line, a tick in front of it. And by that marker, Jimmy Graham did get the first down. Even said there wasn't enough evidence to overturn it. And then they come in with the, we were handed additional video evidence? What the hell was that? I was like, oh my God, they're going to figure out another way to screw us. And then when they came back the second time, I said, no, 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 it's, it's good. It's good. I was like, oh, thank God. And that was it. That was ball game. Put it on the board. That's the, That was it, you know. But those two throws, I mean, just brilliant. Uh, brilliant work from Rodgers. He was great on third down all night. How great? This is a statistic from Ben Fennell. Fennell or Fennell? I hope I'm saying his name right. Uh, from, he works for The Athletic, Wisconsin, uh, ESPN, I think NFL Network. He, he works for a bunch of different people. He's a good Twitter follow. He's got good stuff. At uh, Ben Fennell underscore NFL. Aaron Rodgers on third down versus Seattle. 9 of 11 for 121 yards. One touchdown, no picks. One sack. 155.8 QB rating. Season high, nine third down conversions, nine of 14 overall for Green Bay. Nice work, Sheriff, at Aaron Rodgers 12. So, I mean, that was, you know, Rodgers talked talked all week about, you know, I, I, I'll i do whatever it takes. I've been, I'll, I've been dying to get back to this spot. All I think about is another championship. Tonight, you saw it. He stayed within himself. He didn't chase an offense that isn't there. 
which is what I think has driven me and a lot of other fans nuts this year. He saw the offense for what it was and made it work. And again, when he needed to be his best on third downs, he showed the old Aaron Rodgers is still there. So, yeah, great stuff. Brilliant. And of course, you know, it helps when you've got a stud, elite talent like Devontae Adams. This is the part of the show where I talk about how much I love Devontae Adams. He, I mean, just an incredible night. Let's just talk about the statistics first. Devontae finishing with eight catches for 160 yards and two scores on 11 targets. Outstanding. This is a fun, these are a couple of fun notes uh, from the Twitter account of the always excellent pro football reference at PFREF. Devontae Adams is the first player to have 160 receiving yards and two touchdowns in the divisional round since Hakeem Nix in 2012, who did that against Green Bay and Lambeau. With 160 receiving yards today, Devontae Adams broke Jermichael Finley's franchise record for most receiving yards in a playoff game. This is my note now. Finley set the mark with 159 and the wild card loss to Arizona back in 2010. So he broke it by one yard, but he still broke it. It's his. Now, again, statistics are only going to tell you so much. Devontae, he, I can't imagine there's many guys, if anybody, better than him off the line in the NFL. His brilliance, he's a, he's a freaking technician, this guy, man. His footwork off the line, his body control, the way he sells routes. You know, the way he, he'll break on a route. He'll be breaking to his right. You had this, you saw this a couple of times. Saying, he'll be breaking to his right just to sell the DB that he's going to his right. Or he'll be breaking to his left, sells the DB, he's going left. But all along, he's going right and he knows it. Those little, the subtle ways he's able to sell that move and then come back the other way. Things like that, just brilliant. I mean, let's talk about his touchdown that put the Packers up 28 to 17, right? Perfect example of this. Rodgers goes play action to his left. Adams catches it, makes a move, breaks inside, bolts to the end zone. Again, 28-10, 7.09 to go in the third. Now, if you go back and watch the play again, which you should, you should just hook it into your veins or cut it up in lines and snort it, however you prefer, or liquefy it and drink it, whatever you'd like. He, you see, he does just enough there, like I was just talking about he does just enough there. He got the DB moving outside so Adams could break back in and then take it to the house. You know what I mean? Those little, or the way, he, the little foot taps he does on a corner route to k- kind of throw the DB off. I mean, he's just, oh, he's just, it's incredible to watch. It's outstanding. Top five receiver in the league, no question in my mind. Just, oh, just an incredible day for Adams. And, you know, you can really tell now he's 100%. You know, I think a lot of us have been wondering when he came back from the turf toe injury if he was, you know, the old Devontae. If he wasn't still struggling with the injury, you know, and just trying to be a gamer and get back on the field. And I I felt like he was. I felt like he was struggling for most of, from when he came back to the end of the regular season. You'd see flashes of that old Devontae, but just felt like he couldn't hit top speed, couldn't get the top gear. I think that that week that extra week off here did wonders for him because I think he's back to being the old Devontae. And that's a game changer for this Packers offense. You know, with what we've learned about Aaron Jones, what they've learned about Aaron Jones, having Devontae be at that level is just... It changes shit. It really does. You know who else was great today? Jimmy Graham. I never doubted Jimmy Graham. Don't go back and look through my old tweets or listen to the podcast for evidence to the contrary. Just take me at face value... 
Okay, I can't even I can't sell that. Of course I doubted Jimmy Graham. But man, the old man was awesome today, wasn't he? I mean, really, now the, again, the stat line, three catches for 49 yards, you're going, well, that's like nothing outstanding. But man, he had two of the biggest catches of the day, right? The first one, third and six, Rodgers floats one down the seam to Graham for a big gain of 27 and a first down into Seattle territory. That sets up the aforementioned Adams touchdown that made it 28-17. Then again, as we talked about a little while ago, he makes his biggest play as a Packer. Third and nine at the Seattle 45, coming out of the I already said all this shit. You know the circumstances. But I mean, he really, that was, you know, that was a great catch by Jimmy. That was a great catch and a great effort by him to gut it out and just get the first down, you know? That's, you talk about leaving it all on the field, you could tell he, was, he wasn't going to leave anything out there at night. That was evident on that play. It was like, by God, I'm getting this. I don't know if I'm getting it, but you're going to get everything I got left in the tank. Which is kind of indicative of this whole team, you know? And that was awesome. And he's, he, you know, he's another way. Because he, Seattle kind of struggled, you know. It had been written about a little bit this past week. Seattle struggled with tight ends. And it was like, well, yeah, but we don't really have a tight end. The joke was we don't really have anybody to take advantage of it. But Jimmy did. At least in those two big spots, he did. Big enough, right? And and Devontae Adams and Jimmy Graham stepping up, that was just so huge because Seattle, I mean, they, they clearly came in with the intent to shut Aaron Jones down. And for the most part, the Sea Pigeons did just that, you know? After he ripped off a 23-yard run on his first carry, the Packers' first offensive play of the day, he only had 39 yards on 20 carries after that. Can you believe that? Less than two yards on two yards per carry. Though he did have two scores, as his nose, his his beautiful nose for the end zone continues. And the thing is, you know, again, the stats, you kind of sensing the theme here, stats not telling the whole story. I love that Green Bay kept going to him. Look, Mike McCarthy, I don't want to trash the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys too much. But McCarthy wouldn't have done that. After Jones kind of, you know, wasn't fully getting it going in that first half, they probably wouldn't have given him the ball at all in the second half. Now, I didn't think they gave him the ball as much as they should have in the second half. I believe he only had, I got to look this up. He had, he only had eight carries in the second half as opposed to 13 in the first. Thought they could have gone to him a little bit more, but still, they kept going to him. And that's interesting because I had talked about in the preview, I said, I thought, I thought Jones should have 50% of the touches. And between he and Devontae, they should probably have about 75% of the touches. That, I thought, was the biggest key to victory for the Packers in this one. The Packers got fairly close, right? 59 total offensive plays. Jones had 23, two carries, or 21 carries, and two targets. He only had one catch for four yards. Now, they got to work on that for next week. But, so 23 of 59 offensive plays went Aaron Jones' way. Just a shade under 40%. And then 11 targets for Adams, so 11 to 59. So that was just a shade under 20%. So basically a little bit under 60% of the touches total for those two. Close, but I think I'd like to see more. I thought the Packers could have done a better job going to them more. Jones in particular. But there were benefits, and I'll tell you what. here you go. The ben- There were benefits to stick with Jones. Even though he wasn't getting it going on the ground... I thought the the benefit of that was obvious, and it was found in the Devontae Adams performance. And to, to a lesser extent, the Jimmy Graham performance. Because I think, well, team, teams can only key in on so many guys, right? Really, 
and Seattle, they were really keying in on Jones. It was like, we're not going to let Aaron Jones beat us. And by doing that, even if you take him, you know, it opens things up, obviously, for everybody else. So, but now if the Packers had gone away from Jones, as I suspect like Mike McCarthy would have, it would have made it harder for Devontae and, again, to a lesser extent, Jimmy Graham to do their thing. Really, anybody not named Aaron Jones to do their thing. But they stuck with it. They forced Seattle to continue to key in on him by continuing to feed him the ball. That's important. That's what I'm talking about when I say run the offense through Aaron Jones. Even if it's not working, it makes shit work for everybody else. You feel me? That's what I'm talking about. And then the offense, I want to talk about the offensive line a little bit. I thought they were solid overall. Obviously, the, the holes in the run game weren't there. I thought Seattle played, especially in that second half, one of their, it was one of their better defensive performances all season. Uh, but Rodgers was only sacked twice, and you know what? Got to give a shout-out to Jared Veld here, right? I mentioned him a couple weeks ago, I think after the Lions game, said he was Saginaw Valley State, was Hillsdale. Apologies to Veld here on that. Gleak power, baby. Gleak power. Great job, you know? I mean, Balaga, we find out this morning, this early afternoon, that Balaga is, was questionable. He'd come down with the flu. Apparently, he did not wash his hands and or butt, as Devontae had uh, told everybody to do earlier in the week. But then it was like, okay, so he's active. But then you're like, okay. So then we, then we come to find out Balaga went out there for pregame warm-ups, left, and never came back. So the flu must have just really bit his ass hard, you know? And it was like Valtier played well against the Lions, but it was like, eh. You know, this is a full game. This is a playoff game. You didn't know what to expect. And I thought he, for the most part, was solid. Matt LaFleur telling reporters after the game, they didn't have to alter anything they wanted to do because of Valdir's presence instead of Balaga, which is an incredible compliment to the vet, you know? And how much did you love <laughs> Rodgers telling the media after that he went to Valdir and was joking with him about, did you ever think you'd be here? And Valdir telling him he was actually in the stands in Chicago in week one <laughs> watching. They pulled him off the scrap heap, man. I mean, the Patriots released him and the Packers picked him up and who knew what to expect? But in a big moment, he... He held his own. That's impressive. So shout out to him. Gliak power, baby. So, oh, Jesus, 26 minutes in. This is going to be like a Bruce Springsteen concert podcast tonight. Or my version of one. I got to talk about the defense. Enough offense. Enough about the offensive glory boys. Let's talk about the defense. Obviously, an up and down day. Right? Great, brilliant first half. Locked Seattle down. Second half. Nothing to write home about, to say the least. Struggled containing Wilson. And obviously they were just gassed as the second half went along, you know. Those long Seattle drives were, were just, they just tuckered them out. Um, but still, you know what? Despite that, guy stepped up and made plays in that second half. Got it. There are a couple guys I want to talk about. I'm talking about I got to talk about Preston Smith, right? Number 91. Hasn't been... Fair to say, hasn't been as good, wasn't as good the second half of the season as he was the first, but you kind of knew they were going to need him at some point today. And man, he came through, man. He balled out in that fourth quarter. Two fourth quarter sacks, that second one. How huge was that second one? That was, holy hell. I mean, let's, let's set the scene. Third and nine from the Seattle 40. Or no, wait, wait, wait. 
Got my notes mixed up there. Let me try that again. Take two. Right? Let's set the scene. Packers have third and nine at the Seattle 40. Seattle brings a blitz. Rodgers just dropped. Oh, drive stalls. Oh, no. I had set up till that point I was calm. At that point, I was no longer calm. J.K. Scott, not a great punt. Seattle gets the ball at its own 23, about 4.54 to go. Rather quickly thereafter, here they are near midfield. Holy shit. And you're like, oh, no. That little shit magician's going to pull this off again. Third and five, about three and a half minutes to go. Seattle 42. Somebody's got to step up and make a play, right? It is time. Copyright Kevin Green. Here comes Preston. Bursting in for the sack. Huge. Ridiculously huge play. Right? Seattle punt. Touchback. There we go. Now that, (laughs) I was so geeked, man. When he sacked Wilson, I tweeted when I say, you're not escaping from that one, you little sack of shit. That's basically what I yelled in my basement, too. Um, That was great. Great stuff from him. Two big plays in that fourth quarter. And then, you know, I want to mention, I talked about this earlier with the gambling repercussions, but I want to mention Jair's sack, although I guess it's not counted as one, of Wilson on the two-point conversion, right? That was, I felt like that was a big play. He comes through on the blitz, drops Russ. Felt like that gave the Packers a little bit of a jolt defensively and really as a team. I think that kind of reignited them a little bit in a spot when they needed it. So great work from Jair on that. Uh, And, you know, big first halves. You know, the first half, really the two guys that led the way in that first half were Zadarius Smith and Kenny Clark, right? Big first half from Z and Kenny on that one, right? Z with two sacks. How much did you love his snubbed T-shirt that he, that he revealed after? Was it his first sack? Talking about how he was snubbed for not just... The Pro Bowl is one thing, right? The Pro Bowl is voted on by fans. The All-Pro thing pissed me off. That's that's by Associated Press. Those are by the AP voters. Those are guys who are supposed to know what they're talking about. The fact that he didn't make any of the, the All-Pro teams, are you shitting me? Give me a give me a break, man. Give me a, that was a joke. Um, and then Kenny Clark, Kenny Clark made two really nice plays in that first half too. I'm talking about his never say die attitude. Sacking Russell Wilson late in that first half, Clark has a shot to sack Russ, can't do it, doesn't give up, and then he does. Great stuff. That kind of really hurt that Seattle drive. They ended up not scoring on that drive when. Settling for a Wilson Hail Mary to end the half that was came up a dud. And then, you know, first quarter, Packers up 7 nothing, Kind of a, maybe a forgotten play, but I want to talk about it. Seattle goes to Lynch two times, sets up a third and one from the Seattle 42. Packers again up 7 nothing. Lynch doesn't get it. Why? Kenny Clark. Great play from Kenny on that one. Seattle has to punt. You know, and, and great stuff. You consider he had a bad back. He was questionable for most of the week, all the week, really. For him to come out and play, give that kind of effort with his injury, I mean, great stuff from him. That dude's going to be a Packer for a long time. Long, long time. They're going to back up the Brinks truck for Kenny. Don't worry about that. And then, really, I thought nice work from the run defense overall today. You know, if you listen to the show, the preview, I talked about how nervous I was on that front. Packers hold Lynch and Travis Homer to 15 carries. For 39 yards, and Lynch had two short touchdown runs. 
But great work from those guys, you know, guys like Dean Lowry and Tyler Lancaster and obviously Kenny Clark and Blake Martinez. I mean, I thought really the run defense was good. B.J. Goodson made a play. I mean, it's good stuff, you know. One thing I was a little confused by, I kind of thought Seattle would go to Homer more. You know, I talked about his performance in the preview against San Francisco in Week 17. He looked like a really explosive option out of the backfield, both running and catching. And they really didn't go to him. Although I thought when they did, you saw it. He had, what, three carries for 13 yards, and then he had two catches for 27 yards. So I was a little surprised on that. Pleasantly surprised, because I thought he was the exact kind of back that's given Green Bay fits this year. But uh, whatever the reason, thank you, Seattle, for not going to Homer more. Appreciate it. I'll take it. And then I want to talk, I mentioned Jair's, um, uh, the sack on the two-point conversion. He also, obviously one of the controversial plays here, the no-clear recovery thing. First quarter, Wilson rolls out, hits Jacob Hollister. Is it Jacob? I don't know if I get his name right. I'm probably never going to say his name again, but I want to get it right. I'm a stickler. Jacob Hollister on a rollout, and he's hit by Jair. Hollister appears to fumble, Green Bay recovers. Now they said... The Packers challenged it because they originally said they did for, or they challenged, they said it was Seattle ball. The Packers challenged and the refs ruled that Jair did force the fumble, but there was no evidence of a clear recovery. That was bullshit. What a garbage call that was. The Packers did recover. I think it was Sullivan who had the ball. That was a clear recovery. I don't know what that was. So again, for everybody who says, oh, the Packers get all the calls. Oh, the, the ref is the 12th man for Green Bay. Like, screw off. That's not true. And that was that was that was evidence of that. Bad call. Bad call. So Jair actually should have had another big play in the game. Special teams. I, I guess I don't really have too too much here to say. The J.K. Scott had kind of an up and down day. He had the nice 55 yarder that he nailed in the first quarter, 55 yard punt. He also had the rough one that I talked about earlier. He did have a nice catch and hold on the first uh PAT though, because that was not a good snap. But Scott did a nice job of catching it, getting it down so Crosby could boot it through. And then, you know, my guy Tyler Irvin, Tyler Swervin Irvin, real quiet on returns today, but did have two carries for 25 yards, showing his speed. I want to see more of that. You know, when you get to San Francisco, you know, Packers don't have a ton of speedy guys. Irvin's one of them. I think he could be a real mismatch. He could be a, a player that Green Bay should use. Maybe a little bit more. I'd like to see more. Um, okay, so 34 minutes in, I told you guys to send some Twitter questions. I'm going to shake up the format a little bit. I usually do big picture, then Twitter questions. But let's do the Twitter Twitter questions tonight because I'm feeling generous. Okay, first question comes from my old pal, Adam Summers. Adam was actually at the game today with his wife. What a, That must have been so much fun, Adam. I'm so jealous. Brew Crewer at A Summers underscore time. Is there anything better than beating the fake-ass Russell Wilson and cheating Pete in the playoffs? F them. I have no voice left, and I'll be honest, tonight was the most Green Bay fans I've seen at Lambeau in years. Not many Seattle fans. We showed up. Yes! Larry McCarron voice. Yes! I love it. I love it. You really, I thought, I felt like you could really hear on TV how loud Lambeau was at certain points. I think... The old kind of thing with Lambeau being not super loud and being kind of a stodgy, older place, older crowd that doesn't want to stand up and doesn't want to scream their faces off. I think that might kind of slowly be on the way out. It's been much better this year. Now, the team winning helps, but still, it's been much better. 
Okay, second question comes from Justin Cornwell at Justin A. Cornwell. Love the game plan offensively and the type of throws Rodgers made and LaFleur designed. This season has now been an unmitigated success no matter what happens, but hell, we're in the Final Four, so let's win the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on all that, man. I, I Again, I talked about Rodgers. They... Rodgers and and I assume LaFleur too, by the way the game plan was designed, they ran the offense that Green Bay is. Not this offense that maybe Aaron wants them to be. That he's used to, that he's accustomed to. You know? They ran the offense that they are. And they ran it well. And yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's... An, it's a, you know, it would have been hard to say it was a success if they had lost today, being a one-and-done in the playoffs after a 13-3 season. But yeah, now... I think no matter what, I agree with you. No matter what happens, I think it's a, this season's been a tremendous success. But yeah, screw it, man. Let's win. Let's win the whole thing. I want more. Justin Loading? Jay Loading? Hope I'm saying that right, Justin. Excuse me. I had a little burp there. Got to keep it real. That was the first time I've Bakhtiari'd a beer in some time. Celebrate! Yeah, that's, I mean, hell yeah, man. But do it up. Slam those beers. You know, I have to work tomorrow early, so I, I can't. I'm drinking Pepsi right now. But they play next Sunday night, and I'll tell you what, I'm off the next day. If they win, I am going to be bocciaring a lot of beers. Probably if they lose, too, but especially if they win. You have my word. Okay, Christopher Carlicky. Hope I'm saying that right. At Chris Carlicky. You think those drives in the late third and throughout the fourth quarter that were taking six plus minutes were also a factor of Mike Pettin allowing Wilson to run and run some more and bleed the clock? That's a really interesting question, you know? Christopher, or is it Chris? I I'm Chris. I go by Chris. I'll say Chris. We're friends, I, I feel like. Even though I've never met you. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think there was some of that. I mean, I think they were definitely, especially to start the half, I think they were playing a lot of sort of soft zone prevent stuff. Keep everything in front of you. Make the Seahawks move the chains and burn time off the clock. Definitely. I don't know if after it got to 17, after they got their second touchdown, I don't know if that's the case. But I think for those first couple of scoring drives, yeah, I think they definitely were like, hey, man, you want to pick up, you know, Five, ten yards a clip, that's fine. We're not going to let you hit the big play and make you work the clock. So I, I think there was some of that, at least to start the second half, for sure. Then I think, again, as it went on, they were trying to stop him, and they just couldn't. <laughs> and then lastly, we have Daniel Ray the third, who simply sends a gif of Jamal Williams dancing. Love that. I'll take all. Hey, I always like that. Even though you didn't have a question or a comment, that's the way I think we all feel tonight, right, is... is we all feel like dancing. Like I said after the game, let's dance, MFers. So, yeah. Thank you to everybody who sent questions, comments, concerns. Always appreciated. So let's, okay, big picture time. Now, we're on to San Francisco now, right? Bill Belichick voice. It's going to be tough. San Francisco absolutely throttled Minnesota, especially in the second half Saturday. In uh, it's 27-10 win. They obviously beat the dog shit out of Green Bay back in November. We know what they bring to the table. Great offense. Kittle, Samuel, Sanders. Good offensive line. They run the hell out of the ball. Defensively, their front is ridiculous. 
their whole, I mean, the entire defense is ridiculous. It's fast, it's physical, it's violent, they cover. It's, you know. Now, I'm not going to say, I don't want to get too, too much of this because, surprise, there is going to be another preview podcast this week. I have no choice. I did one last week, and they won. I got to do another preview. More bonus lamps. How lucky are you? More bonus lamps. This week, for all you listeners, all you wonderful guys and gals checking out the show. So I'll have more to say on San Francisco then, but I do. it's going to be tough. My knee-jerk reaction, or at least my gut feeling right now, is the Packers are going to have to control the hell out of the ball. Really bleed the clock, shorten the game, keep that offense on the sidelines. Try to wear down that San Francisco front any way you can. Aaron Jones is going to have to be... They're going to have to block for Aaron Jones a lot better. I shouldn't even blame Jones, but... Yeah, I mean, do I think it's impossible? No, absolutely not. In a single-game elimination tournament, as we all know, anything can happen. So, of course, they could go out there and win. And I do think they'll be much better prepared and much... It'll be a better effort, a much better effort, I hope, than what we saw last time in San Francisco. Um, so, yeah, I, I, all I'll say right now is it's going to be really tough, but it's but it's definitely not impossible, and it's definitely not... You know, it's definitely not impossible. It's definitely doable. They can do this. They can win this game, of course. Uh, and again, don't you want Super Bowl one, Part 2, Green Bay versus Kansas City? I do. I'll play Tennessee, too. I don't give a shit. I just want to get there. But, yeah, just saying. So, okay. Whew, it's been a long one. 41 minutes. It's time for me to jam on out of here. I, again, I will be back. I think it'll be, I'm aiming right now to do the show Wednesday night. So then it'll be available for you all Thursday morning. So I usually end these by saying win, lose, or draw, but you'll hear from me, you'll hear from me later this week. Looking forward to it. So until next time, enjoy tonight. Savor it. The Packers are 60 minutes away from the Super Bowl. And if you've made it this far, give yourself a gold star. You rock. I will be back next week. I am Chris Lempesis. This has been Lemp's Talking Pack. Thank you. I love you, Packer Nation. Go, Pack, go.